if you would, would you turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. If you're there, would you all stand as we receive the word of God? Once again, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Here is the word. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many paddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Amen. God, we Approach your throne. We open our hearts, our eyes and ears of our hearts to you. This is your word. This is your truth. Will you be gracious? Help us to understand as the word is being expounded upon the hearts and minds of your people. So, Father, I pray for your blessing. Pray for your spirit. Pray that you will help and uh, guide your servant to explain your word and may everyone be blessed and may we praise you. Father, we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, um, I feel like I, it's been a while. It's been three weeks since I preached and Standing up here, so um, it was good to be home, um, good to be doing what I'm called to do. Now, um, smell, do you smell anything right now? No? Probably not. Smell is one of our five senses, isn't it? Right, smell. And like other senses, it involves, the smell involves our minds our bodies, as well as our emotions. When you smell something, what happens? You may discover something new as you smell. As you smell, uh, it may cause you, that particular scent will cause you to feel something in, in some ways. When you smell, it may cause you to even remember a place, remember a person or something by that particular scent. When I was in Texas, I went back and walked into the house, my parents' house that I, I lived in uh, for a number of years, and I, I felt, I smell that I have arrived. I walked into my, what, what it used to be my room, 
I, I smell. I immediately reminded by the fact that I am home. It does that. Now, as you smell something, as that smell, that scent uh, enters your body through your nose, through your nostril, as it catches your attention, and as your brain recognizes that smell, I tell you, if that scent is significant enough for you to catch it, understand it, there will be a reaction, right? There is a reaction. Either there would be uh, feelings of pleasure and delight or delightful memories or feelings of displeasure or even disgust. Therefore, when you smell something, not only you recognize it, not only there is that reaction, but it causes you to take an action, either to run away from it or run to it. That you look for that source of that scent. If you smell something unpleasant, what do you do? You walk away. Sometimes you run away. For in my case, I and, and go around. And if that is happening in kitchen area, I have to locate it, locate it, and then remove it, destroy it. But if you smell something pleasant, that was pleasing. What do you do? You walk towards it. All your senses become alert and you want to find it. I was in the backyard uh, last week and I do my customary morning, you know, stroll through that garden, just make sure everything's fine and walk towards that side where I had potted, you know, uh, trees and, uh, you know, blueberries and whatnot. And then something caught my attention. I, I, I smell something, a scent caught my attention and apparently that was my uh, uh, potted quamquat, quamquat tree it was full in full bloom I've never seen quamquat flowers in full bloom and, and that scent was so amazing it was so nice that was first time I, I had that smell called Christina and then just you know I, I share that moment now, I was walking, and then it caught my attention. I wanted to find it. It was that pleasing, that pleasant. I wanted to find the source of it. That's what happened. And you walk towards it when you find it, and you would even desire it. How would I have this? That's what happened. You want to see and find what it is that are giving off this wonderful, amazing fragrance. Church, this morning out of Second Corinthians, the text we have, I want to share with you about a wonderful and sweet aroma. I want to tell you about this pleasing fragrance. And that is the fragrance of Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to talk to you about the sweet aroma of Christ that Christian should give off, that we should be the source, that we should have that aroma, that scent everywhere we go. Because of Jesus. We're in him and he is in us. Because of that 
biblical truth of saved person. We must give off that sweet fragrance of Christ to everyone that we meet and everyone, everywhere we go. Now, in today's passage, Paul is writing to, obviously, to the Corinthians, but this time, uh, second time, and depending on the commentary, which commentary, which theologian you read, this may be the second or this may be the third. There, the, the consensus is there is a missing letter. Um, and there is a reference to it in the first and second Corinthians. But regardless, with our Bible, what we have in our scripture, this is the second time Paul is writing to the Corinthians. There was that first letter. Now, if you know anything about Corinthian church, Corinthian church is not a perfect church. Actually, to be honest, far, far, far from being perfect. Corinthian church was problematic church. Corinthian church was uh, filled with dramas. I was sharing with Stephen, you know, some old, you know, uh, nostalgic things and a lot of problems and dramas that we both share and some of the things that his own church is going through. Church is bound to have some of those. Did I cause that hiccup? Milo. Now, churches are filled with people, and people are no perfect. And therefore, there is drama. But Corinthian church, it is pretty bad. Drama, any drama, worse than Korean dramas that you could possibly watch. The worst thing that you could come up with, they had it. The problems, they had it. And it's far from being perfect. Yet it is the church that the apostle himself planted. It is the church that therefore very much dear to the apostle. So like any good parent, like good shepherd, Paul was so concerned about these people in Corinth. And he could not just forget about their condition, what they're going through, and ignore their problems, especially ones that are so sinful, that are so ungodly, so detrimental to their being in Christ, which will come with eternal consequences, and Paul could not ignore it. So in the first letter too. The Corinthians, Paul confronted them about their long list of sins. It goes on and on and on. Their sins of selfishness, their sins, uh, a sin of uh, worldliness, disorderliness, and just about everything there is in terms of spiritual destructive disaster, you will find it in 1 Corinthians. It's not a fun letter for us to read. I'm sure for the apostle, it wasn't a fun letter as a father figure, as a shepherd to write these words. And certainly you can imagine that was not a fun letter for the Corinthians to receive and read. But Paul had to write one. And he knew he was taking a huge risk because they might not receive his 
criticism, his constructive, loving criticism well. You see, when you love and care for someone, I, I got grace over there, you give constructive criticism. You give something that, that I spot in order for no one else will voice that and point that out to my daughter. So I want to make sure that I want to uh, help her in her growth. In the same way, Paul, in his love, in his genuine care for the Corinthians, prayerfully, he constructed that letter, understanding what they are currently going through, who they are in their sin. He carefully chose these words and he wanted to bring them back. Even yet, as he was writing these things, he understands there is a risk, potential risk. Because even if you love someone and you give that advice or that criticism in order to bring them back, if the other party does not see that love and care that you have, and if they do not receive it well, what does that do? It ends the relationship. And therefore, there is no more. No more relationship. You're taking a huge risk. But the apostle deemed and he knew this was necessary for the Corinthians to hear in order for them to get back on the proper path. So what did he do? He wrote one. And he sent it off. But the funny thing is he did not hear back from the Corinthians for quite some time. So he grew weary. He became anxious. So he sent, what did he do? He sent Titus to uh, Corinth just to get a glimpse, a report back how they received the letter. Now, Paul tells us in verses 12 and 13, right before our passage, this is what it says, chapter 2, 12 and 13. It says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord. Verse 13, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Paul had become so concerned, so anxious about the condition of the Corinthians after they have received the letter, and he sent Titus to check on them, right? Just to be able to find out what the reaction was. So he was there in Ephesus. He moved to Troas. And there in Troas, he was there to do the gospel work. And it says, Paul himself says, God has opened the door to preach the gospel in Jesus, but he could not even do it. Can you imagine Paul not being able to preach? The guy is known. I mean, he breathes, lives, and sleeps to preach the gospel. Yet here, God opened the door for Paul, yet he could not preach the gospel. Why? Because he was so weary, so concerned, so anxious about the how the letter was received. He could not preach any longer in Troas. So what did he do? He left Troas. 
and he went on to Macedonia. Why? He was looking for Titus. And that was where he met Titus. Finally, returning from Corinth, and he received the re report. And this report was very favorable report from Titus about that positive outcome. I want to take you to chapter 7, verses 5 through 7. That's the report there. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 5 through 7 says this, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without fear within. But God, who com comforts the downcast, comforted us by coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, you, the Corinthians, as he told us, Paul and his company, of your Corinthians longing, their desire to see him yearning for Paul, your mourning, your repentance, your seeking of forgiveness, your zeal, your passion for me, for what I have to say, so that I rejoiced still more. Paul's joy was renewed. It was greater than ever. This explains the sudden change of mood in, uh, in verse 14 in Paul's language. We just read 12 and 13. I have no rest. I could not just do what I'm called to do, preach the gospel. I needed to leave and find for Titus. And then in verse 14, the mood changes. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Paul says in verse 14, thanks be to God. Thank you, God, for always leading us in victorious parade in Christ. You see, according to history, according to some of the movies that you have watched, in Roman Empire, it was customary that after a major victory, what happens? There would be a magnificent parade, great triumphant procession happening before the citizens of Rome in the city in complete, utter celebration. And as a part of ceremony, what would happen is that fragrances, incense would be burned throughout the city as the conquering uh, hero, the commander will walk through the city gate closely followed by his own soldiers, his army. And it will be filled, the city will be filled with the sound of trumpet, triumphant sound, and once again that sweet aroma of victory. Now, right at this moment in here in verse 14, Paul realized as soon as he realized that Corinthian received his letter, his constructive criticism well, that they are yearning for Paul. They are repentant and they are willing to be uh, renewed in their passion. He was rejoicing and he recognized the fact that God leads his people 
into this triumphant victory. As Jesus Christ being our all-conquering commander, as he leads us in our battle against sin, battle against our death and hell, we have the victory. Amen? Therefore, we, closely following our commander's footsteps, we, his army, we also celebrate in the triumphant parade. And then Paul says in verse 14, in the second half, not only God leads us in victory in Christ. Look at the second half. Not only, but also God spreads. He spreads through us, his soldiers, his people, his army, the fragrance of knowledge of Christ everywhere. So what is he saying? God only, not only uh, leads us into victory in Christ, but God spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ through us. This is who we are, church. This is who we are. What are we? We are the fragrance, fragrance of Christ, our Lord and Savior. That means we must be the fragrance of our Lord Jesus as we live this victorious life in Christ, as we spread his wonderful, amazing, pleasing aroma wherever we go. Folks, it is an honor and what a privilege it is for us to give off that sweet aroma, that fragrant, uh, fragrance to not only God, but to the people all around us as Christ lives in us, as Christ works through us, as Christ lives for us. Folks, we are literally Christ's sweet Aroma. If Jesus was to sit next to us and you happen to get close to him like I was to my tree and you would be able to smell him. And that smell of Jesus, that that smell becomes your smell as he lives in you. We literally, as his people, as we are in Christ and he's in us, we literally become his sweet aroma. In Christ, we have his life. In Christ, we have received this, his forgiveness, his reconciliation. We have received his justification. In Christ, we have received everlasting peace, everlasting life. In Christ, we have become the children of God, God's own people. Amen? And it's all because Jesus Christ has given his life for us and to us. All because he has consecrated us to God by the sacrifice of his own blood. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 2, he tells us that Christ loved us. And he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He loved us and he offered himself in order to give us the life. He, in order for us to be in him and he in us. 
Therefore, a church of Jesus Christ. What do we have to be? What are we? We are the fragrance of our Lord Jesus. We must be the sweet aroma of our Lord. As we live victoriously in life. In and through our Lord Jesus. Amen. Now how do we give off that sweet aroma then? How do we be that source and give off that sweet fragrance of Christ to God and to the people of this world? First and foremost. We give off the sweet fragrance by offering his righteousness, that righteousness of Jesus Christ, that righteousness, righteousness that was accomplished by his death, that righteousness that sealed was sealed by his resurrection. We give off the fragrance of Christ. How? Second Corinthians. Chapter two, it says. By spreading the knowledge of Christ. How do we do that? How we give off that aroma, that sweet fragrance of Christ by spreading the knowledge of him. Now, precisely what kind of knowledge about Jesus should we spread? Folks, we need to spread, obviously, good news, his gospel. We're commissioned to do so. Paul preached a couple weeks ago. Great commission. We must spread about who Christ was and what he has done and accomplished upon that cross. And by sharing Jesus is Christ, by sharing and proclaiming wherever we go, Jesus is the Messiah, that he died on the cross to take on our sin, to remove it from us, and resurrect it on the third day by defeating death. We spread the knowledge of Christ. We spread the fragrance, sweet aroma of Christ to the world all around us. And as we proclaim the gospel, we're giving off that spreading. We're, we're sending out that sweet, pleasing aroma of Jesus Christ. But let me remind you that we are not the source of sweet fragrance, right? We're not the sweet fragrance, as Paul says in verse 16. That fragrance is not our own scent. Verse 16, Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? For we're not. None of us are. Because that fragrance has nothing to do with us. That aroma has nothing to do with us. It's not from us. We're born of a sinful nature with a sinful heart. Last week, my sister-in-law uh, uh, gave birth to healthy uh, twin boys. I mean, adorable. I mean, when they put both of them in a, in that tiny bassinet, bassinet, and just so cute. And, and yesterday we saw the, the actual, you know, front face for the first time. They're so cute, so adorable. But even adorable as they are, as cute as they are, we are born of a sinful nature. With a sinful heart. 
There was nothing sweet. Nothing pleasant about us. We did not give off this sweet aroma, this pleasing fragrance to the world around us. But rather, we smell like what? We smell like death. A stench of death. A rotting smell of rotting corpse was coming off of us. That was what we smell like before the cross, before Christ. But as Eugene preached last Sunday out of Ephesians 2, what happened to us? But God happened. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, but God, but God happened to us. But God gave us life. When we were dead, we were the object of His wrath. But God happened. We are walking zombies, dying and rotting, dead already. He gave us life. And through Christ and in Christ, our dead hearts are now beating once again, pulsing the blood through our veins. All because what God has done in Jesus Christ. Amen. As Christ lives in us, what happened? We smell like Christ. We smell like living beings once again. We don't smell like death. We are not walking zombies and we're not rotting. Yet once again, Paul's point is this has nothing to do with you. This sweet aroma has nothing to do with you and me all because of Jesus Christ. It is the gift of God. It is the grace of God in Christ Jesus that allows us not only to live our lives uh, in victorious manner, but also for us to spread His sweet aroma of salvation through our lives as we are being led by His Spirit. Now, as a people in Jesus Christ, what does it mean for you and I to be His fragrance? It means that we have this privilege to share this good news. However, what also that means is that through our, not only our evangelistic effort, but also through living our lives as examples of His grace, His being, in all that we do and say, we give off this fragrance of Christ. Not only when we share and proclaim the gospel, the knowledge of Christ, but for Him to live in us in full, in fullness, our lives give off Christ-like scent. Everything we do, folks, everything we do must be fragrant with what we are in Christ. Everything we do must be, in other words, seasoned perfumed with what we are in Jesus Christ. Make sense? And what we are is what? We are born again, redeemed people. We are that sweet fragrance of Christ. Christ lives in us. We live in Him. 
We remain in Him. His Word remain in us. We have the Father, the fellowship with Him, and we bear that good fruit. So folks, how do you smell? I mean, really, how do you smell? Do you smell like the Lord who lives in you? Do you give off the scent of Jesus? Do you give off that sweet aroma of Jesus Christ through your life? Or do you still give off that disgusting, awful smell, the stench of your old self, in your selfishness, in your arrogance, in your sinfulness? How do you smell? Folks, if you are the fragrance of Christ, as Paul declares Christians to be. If you are the very scent of Christ to the world around you. Paul continues to explain that this fragrance will have two clear effects on the people around you. As you see in verse 16. Paul says it could either attract others to Christ or it could repel people away from Christ. Why is that happening? Because for some people, they will smell and they catch that uh, scent of Christ. It will, for some, will be a smell of repulsive stench which drives them away from Christ they don't see Christ as precious as we do they don't see his suffering as precious and uh, as treasure as we do they don't smell his fragrance therefore it repels them death to death he says but on the other hand, by His grace, for some people that scent the fragrance of Christ that we, His people, give off becomes that fragrant, sweet aroma and it brings life to some people. They see Christ who carried away their sin. They, they understand Christ who brought his righteousness upon that sinful, wretched sinner. They understand that Christ brings life. And as they catch the scent of Christ, the fragrance of Christ through his people, as I caught the scent of my quamquat tree, you go after it. You look for it as it catches your attention, how pleasing, aromatic, and you desire that very scent. And some will come and they will receive life in Jesus Christ. They will turn from their old ways and run to Christ and receive life. The very point is this. 
once again, our fragrance, our lives in Jesus Christ either attracts people to Christ or it repels people away from Christ. But the matter in hand is simply the fact that we are the fragrance of Christ. Now, Paul says this in verse 17. He says, we are as men and women of sincerity, wholeheartedness. Everything we do, we do it with whole heart as commissioned by God, commanded by God, in the sight of God, in the fear and reverence of God. Verse 17, we, as a fragrance of Christ, what do we do? We speak in Christ. What does that mean? We speak in Christ. My native tongue is Korean. I speak in Korean. Some of you speak in English. Some of you can speak in Spanish. You live in certain American customary way, tradition. We, Paul says, as the fragrance of Christ, we speak in Christ. The language we speak, we speak Christ. The way we live, the customs and traditions we have, the way we live, we live in Christ with fullness, sincerity of our hearts because we are commissioned to do so in fear of God's sight. We speak in Christ. That's who you are, the fragrance of Christ. So how do you smell? Sniff? How do you smell? Really? The fact that we ignore that question and we're not going to honestly answer that question does not cause you to deal with the problem that we have. How do you smell? Do people around you smell Jesus Christ? As you live your life, as you have dealings with them, do they catch a scent of Jesus Christ and it goes through their nostril, catches their attention and desire to find where this amazing aroma and fragrance is coming from and come to you and ask, what is this? What is this? What do you have? What's the source of this? What do they smell, people around you? What do they smell by being around you? What do they smell by seeing you, what you do, hearing you, what you say? What do they smell? Are they reminded of Jesus? A fragrance of his humility? His obedience, his sacrifice, his forgiveness, his amazing love, the kindness that he had. Are they reminded of that smell like I walked into my parents' home and immediately brought me back? What do you smell like? Do you and I smell like Jesus Christ? 
as you walk with them, as you live your life as Christ followers, as you deepen your understanding of the word, truly what it means for God to come down on earth, this grace grab hold of you and that uh, just uh, create a havoc in your worldly perspective as you understand and mature in your sanctification when you have that opportunity to be and become the fragrance of Christ, that sweet aroma, a being, that living sacrifice, offering your bodies, your mind, everything that you have to the Lord as holy, pleasing, living sacrifice to God. Folks, we are that fragrance of Christ. Not eventually. But now. It's good to be back. Folks. If we do ask these questions. It's not about the size of the church. It's not about how long you've been in Christ. How long you've been going to church. And how much you think you know. What do I give off? What kind of aroma scent I give off? What do I smell like? Do I smell like Jesus Christ? Do I remind people of Jesus? His core innate characters? Do I repel these people away from Christ? As soon as they hang out with me, they walk away. I dispel these people from Christ or I invite and attract these people to Christ. We spread the knowledge of Jesus Christ in two ways. With your words, great commission, sharing the gospel, what Christ has done. In you, too. By living that victorious life led by the Spirit. You being that aroma, the fragrance of Christ. Amen? I'll, I'll say it again. It's not the greatest statement. Question. What do you smell? How do you smell? Let's take a moment to pray. you ponder upon that question just on your own for a sec Christ has seated you the gospel is seated in your heart germinated and it grew into beautiful flower and that aroma that attracts bee before it turns into fruit How is our condition? What do we give off? How do we smell like? Christ lives in us and we live in Christ. His word, we do, we abide. We are the branches. He's divine. 
No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And we call God our own Father. We call ourselves His children, co-heirs to Christ. He lives in us. That's who we are. That's our identity. We find our worth in Him. What do we smell like then? Are the people reminded of Christ when they interact with you? Once again, it's not by our effort. It is the gift of God. And His very presence as I rub, figuratively rub my shoulder with my Lord Jesus, spend my time in His Word. His scent rubbed off of me. His aroma, the sweet, wonderful fragrance comes out of me. We pray for evangelism. We pray that the kingdom will grow, the church will grow, that we will be His hands and feet and we will be faithful in His great commission. May we be the fragrance of Christ. And that, let that sweet aroma of Jesus fill the room wherever you are. Attracts these people catch their attention undeniable and they will come and seek to have what we have freely in Jesus the new life Father I thank you for the message you have given to us pray that you would bring that truth in our hearts may it well in our hearts. May it root in our hearts and cause and react in the way the Word is designed to do. Encourage us, train us, correct us, rebuke us even. All for your glory. For we are the fragrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that your church as they go from here they will carry this sweet aroma with you and may they continue to be the blessing wherever they go will you go with them go before them bless them and protect them Father we thank you so much for who you are and what you have done and continue to do in our lives we pray all this in Jesus precious name Amen